0: Because of indifference, one dies before one actually dies. This is a great quote by Nobel Peace Prize winner Ali Weitzel, and it sums up today's Shadow Works submission on the death of your own personal dreams and the death of progress stemming from the same root cause. I'm Jessica Depazzi, and for the next at least 55 shows, I'm going to take you through this series that covers the spectrum of negative patterns in the human experience. sun sink into the. So I hope you guys all had a great week last couple of weeks. Today we're going to be talking about the shadow of indifference, which I'd mentioned on the last show, it's one of the main shadow transformations that's gotten me to this place of feeling a very soul-satisfying fulfillment. I definitely still have dreams that are in the works. I would never say that I've reached the end of that, but I have gotten to a place where every day really is fulfilling and I'm really enjoying that journey This shadow is the shadow of the pipe dream, which is why so many of us can relate to it so deeply. It's about having big dreams, having a big vision of something that's bigger and more meaningful than yourself, than life, but not really being able to do anything that puts you closer to making that dream a reality. And in this episode, I'm going to not only go through the purpose and origin of indifference, how it keeps you average and suppressed, how it's transformed into the strength of versatility, but also I'm going to walk you through an ideal that I got surprisingly from permaculture gardening that's been my guide for getting clear on what dreams are soul satisfying and worth dedicating myself to, and then which are more ego-based and too heavily influenced on or by the glamour or societal hopes and dreams that I've been cultured to kind of want. This shadow is also about not holding yourself and your own actions accountable for what's going on. The societal and environmental disruptions that are ruining our planet and our communities, and our relationships, and our families. So yeah, it's a big one. Uh, we're all experiencing it big time. My heart is full, heavy, excited, all the same time to talk about this. I really think if we can work on this one here, there would be some supernatural growth towards true, this true meaning of the pursuit of happiness, which will bring more of a harmonious balance to our world, which feels really disjointed at the moment. All right, let's get into it. So indifference. Indifference is defined as having a lack of interest. And that's exactly the problem that the vast majority of people are having today is real lack of interest in making change happen. And the root of disinterest is, you might guess it, it's the F word that I always talk about, it's fear. This in particular is a societal fear of being identified as different. This is about the fear of leaving your comfort zone and walking your own path and kind of like worrying about if people get it or not. And that keeps you from fully embracing your, your own unique path. A couple of the common excuses that we use when the shadow comes up in our lives is that like, I don't have the time to do it. My life is too filled with this and that, or it's too big or too hard for me to do. I don't, I'm not capable of it. I don't have the tools or the knowledge or the relationships to make it actually happen. And so you've deluded yourself into believing that, um, but it's just not something that you can really achieve, which might be the case, but we'll get into that. The good news is that these are just surface excuses for a deeper reason. You're not willing to stand up and put yourself on the line and be different. And so you put your focus on way too many things that don't really matter. These are the things that are inessential that you've deluded yourself into believing are important for whatever reason. And I have to say, if I have one pet peeve I have more than one, but if I have one that I want to talk about right now, it's when people are all talk and no walk. I really don't have time for people who complain and criticize about their lives and don't do anything about it. I don't have time for people who talk about what they want to do, but then don't do anything to make it happen. Or I really don't also have time for people who point figures and project their own issues outward and have that bitterness towards the outside world because they're not really doing what they want to do. But like all shadows, there is a purpose. And an origin to this insanity. Back before totalitarian farming, being part of a group was the only way you were going to survive and have any kind of meaningful experience. You had better access to food and resources. You were more safe. You had more and better options for mates. So nothing in the world would be more important than being a good, cooperative, accepted, kind of like gray, blend-in member of the group fitting in meant survival. So being different was a risk. Being socially accepted was everything. So for ancient humans, being accepted into the tribe was essential for survival. And an interesting side note, interacting with strangers was really rare. So this tribal setting also instilled very divisive behaviors like patriotism and xenophobia based on imagined differences between groups of people. Sociologists and scientists have argued that that prejudice towards people who aren't like us is really hardwired in us like an instinct for protecting ourselves from um, outsiders who could do us harm by spreading disease or stealing because they don't have relationships with us. Uh, They're competing for resources, which at the time, you know, before farming, a lot of things were scarce or even violent behavior because people were just different and the differences created conflict. So back then with our very limited coping mechanisms, Uh, our limited experiences with other tribes who were different, at that point in our history, this ancient wiring kept us safe. Today, we all still have that innate response to faces. We naturally form opinions and notice particular characteristics about people. That right there is an amoral response. There's nothing good or bad about that. It's a remnant of an ancient tool that served us once, but in this context, doesn't really anymore. And As our tribes continue to meld and integrate, it'll become less about race at some point, but likely about some other difference because we're just kind of like that. When people are struggling with this societal fear of standing out, they have this craving for social approval and admiration and a paralyzing fear of being disliked. And we're also wired to look for differences in others, which can cause all kinds of problems like systematic racism, which which is being, the veil has been lifted at this point. So it's kind of interesting that the same shadow that inhibits our ability to go out and live a unique life and fulfill our own personal dreams is the same shadow that's at the root of bigotry and racism, which brings compassion into the mix. Ancient wiring or not, it's a person's human right to be treated with dignity based on his or her character, which you might say, yeah, no shit. But if you're also a person who's afraid to take a leap of faith on your own dreams, then you're struggling with the same thing, that same wiring that the intolerant are also struggling with. We're not all that different. And we need to understand that this us and them thing really needs to be a thing of the past. Canadians wagging fingers at Americans, Americans pointing fingers at the police system, the police system pointing fingers at the taxpayers who aren't willing to pay more taxes for for better training. The finger pointing can go on forever. And that's what's been happening. If we don't accept that we're all just one human family and start from there. And that's the root of indifference. It keeps us from wanting to be different. um, And so it keeps us from doing anything brave or risky or that we can be identified as odd or strange. And it also has us looking for other people that are different and odd and strange based on our limited experience. So you can see the shadow of indifference in your life in a couple ways. On the shame or repressive side of the spectrum you have a problem with being gullible. You become a victim to mass media propaganda and just tend to believe what the majority of people are saying. These people will hide their indifference behind other people who struggle with indifference as well. It would be like if you say, you know, people who don't believe in global warming are uneducated and stupid, but then you also don't do anything about saving the world or the earth other than recycling. You know, throwing some trash in the blue bin to save the earth admittedly, I mean, I bet you can, you would say isn't a great way to save the earth or really do anything about it. So that's a form of indifference. Um, A good test for you, if you believe you might be struggling with gullibility is to turn on the news and see how you respond to it. If your response comes across as wanting to just bury your head in the sand and saying there's nothing you can do about it, then I would say, yes, you definitely have the opportunity to meditate on the shadow. That bury your head in the sand response is different than just not wanting to watch the news because it sucks and you can't trust anything. No offense against really good reporters and journalists. All that to say there's yeah a difference between head in the sand and I don't believe what I'm hearing. On the blame or reactive side of the spectrum, you are more self-deluded. So you struggle with becoming too deeply identified with your own thoughts and beliefs and the systems that you create around those beliefs that you build mental walls around yourself. And you don't really let anyone who thinks or believes differently in, you don't even let other facts come in. You're so convinced by your own mind that your own systems and structures are right and everybody else is wrong. And this is quite an angry place to be because it's lonely and destructive. And in its own way, it's also gullible, but towards your own propaganda and no one else's and whether you're repressive or reactive You have a lot of excuses. That's another red flag that indifference is a a thing for you. And excuses are the language of fear. So what do we do about it? Now, the strategy for breaking this pattern is to acknowledge that you are making excuses and that that is a language of fear. They're not legitimate. When you think of your dream or that thing that you want to change, then you need to identify where is that fear coming from? Identify how it shows up. What's causing it? Do an audit of your life. Are there things and people that are jamming crap down your throat, screaming for your attention? Are you listening to that? And then look at your relationship with death. How would you feel if you died tonight? Would you feel that you did everything you realistically could to live this life? And when you identify some of those things, you'll notice the excuses that come up. Everyone has a dream, even if it's blurry, like super blurry. You know that there's something that you feel your your soul would be set free if you did that thing. Why is it that you believe that you can't do that? And like I'd mentioned before, one common excuse is that you don't have the time. So indifference is fueled by focusing your time on and that life force on the inessential. And so a strategy for overcoming this time issue is to remove the inessential from your life. Glamour is a... A weapon that's used against us to promote control. That might sound kind of hardcore, but like, let me soften it up a little bit. Things that are, imagine things that are beautiful or functional. A lot of the things that are glamorous aren't really beautiful or functional. They're just used as more marketing tools or really spiced up to be the trendy thing of the moment. So just kind of be aware when glamour is being used versus something that's truly beautiful, creative, or functional that you do want in your life. Just something to think about. Uh, That other common excuse for not following a dream or making real change happen is that you might not be sure if you want to commit yourself to it. How do you really commit and dedicate yourself to standing for something or making a dream happen um, to put your perceived safety or your reputation on the line if you're just kind of whatever about it? I would say that a big problem with people's dreams is that they're out of balance. Think of the standard dream for a lot of people. They want to work for themselves and make six figures a year. If you look at all that goofball marketing that's taken over Facebook ads lately, making six figures in a single product launch or whatever, like they know that the product you want to sell is completely irrelevant. They might be offering the opportunity to sell clothes or info products or makeup or services, supplements, whatever. The message here is that they know you want to make more money and not have to be a slave to another person's timeline, which is completely like accurate, who wants to be broke and a slave. In the West, there are two forms of capital that we've been conditioned to really want a lot of, money and status. And you can see status as knowledge. And those marketers, those goofball marketers, some are awesome. I'd like to think I'm okay. (laughs) They know that. And then they prey on people who are in this survival mindset. And these people are just feeling like they want something different. They're indifferent about their jobs. Want something different, don't exactly know what, know what they don't want though. Now, one of the problems with signing up for whatever that person is selling to make six figures and selling whatever and being free is that usually your passion for working for yourself and having money that's died out because the why, as we hear often, it's not as strong. And so, starting with why, that was a really great book when it came out. I think that the messaging can get a little bit diluted because you could turn anything into a supposed why, I think that a good way to really suss out if your dream will fly for the years, and you can really commit yourself to, is to imagine your life as like a bucket. We have been conditioned to focus on our efforts and our attention on filling that bucket as full as possible with really only two forms of capital, financial capital or informational. So like the currency being money or knowledge. You know, our parents were always telling us we needed to get a good education and get a good job, which was translated into getting a good job that pays lots of money. Like that's a good job is one that will give you the buckage. I'm sure you can think of a lot of people though, who are hugely successful financially and have top-notch educations and lots of status, but are still very unhappy And I think the reason for that is that their buckets, their value sets are just way out of balance and they're missing other key forms of capital. And I really believe that to have a sustaining strong fire burning inside of you, and to be really passionate about this thing, it has to check more boxes than elevating your status and financial situation. I'd mentioned the permaculture thing. So the permaculture world, they've come up with, I actually think it was just one guy. I really should cite him. I will do that in the notes. So The permaculture world has come up with other forms of capital that can help you design a dream that lasts a lot, lot longer. And it makes sense that it comes from permaculture because these people specialize in recreating regenerative systems in nature that all work happily together. And we humans, we're just animals living on earth to creating our own systems. So it makes sense that these people that study how everything can work in sync with very little outside influence, once it gets going, can put together a good um, a good model for how humans can operate as well. So I'll quickly go over these. The first two we just covered: intellectual capital and financial capital. So intellectual capital, this is knowledge assets. The majority of the current global education system is really focused on imparting intellectual capital, whether or not that's the most useful form of capital for creating. Uh, resilient and thriving communities, I don't think it is as much as it's touted to be, uh, like the surest way to be successful, because it's often motivated by this desire for making more money. So going to university is primarily then this exchange of financial capital for intellectual capital. You know, it's supposed to prepare us for the rest of our lives in the world. Financial capital, that currency is money. The current global society we're in right now focuses huge amounts of attention on this here. It's our primary thing for exchanging goods and services with other humans. And some people straight up are just better at making money. And those talents make it also a powerful tool for both liberation and oppression. It kind of just depends on what you're using it for. Now, the other forms of capital that you should consider when you're thinking about what you want to commit yourself to are experiential capital, cultural capital, living capital, material capital, social capital, and spiritual capital. Experiential capital is also sometimes called human capital, and we accumulate this currency through creating experiences. This is actually organizing a project in your community or working to accomplish a goal with a group. It utilizes action-taking as the currency here. Because the most effective way to learn anything comes through this blended gathering of intellectual and experiential capital. So a lot of people coming in with their knowledge and then blending it together and creating something brand new and taking action that way through synergy. Cultural capital. This is the shared internal and external processes of a community. So it can't be... Uh, It can't be acquired by just meeting somebody that's from, let's say, Mexico. It needs to be viewed as the village or the town or the city or the nation as a whole. So this is when you're um, learning or experiencing art and systems and their currency and their tradition and their language And so this cultural capital is just something that is for people who don't have the ability to travel, something that can be deficient. And um, when you do travel and you don't, you're spending lots of money and you're not really learning anything, you're just soaking it all in. That's why that feels so fulfilling when you do do it. Now, living capital is interesting. Um, This is something that I don't think anybody would think of unless they were in the permaculture world, but it really makes sense. This is animals and plants and soil and water and land. This is We've gotten away from this as your average person, but this is like the real basis for life on the planet. And when you are good at, so you can notice that some people are going to be better at creating experiential capital, bringing people together, creating synergy. Some people are going to be better at living capital, raising animals, tending to the land, buying land, sharing the abundance of living capital is something that I wish more for the world and something that I am actually working on as well. Uh, but I think that it's a great way to help people eat well and be more connected to life when they can see where it comes from. The next form of capital is material. This is non-living physical objects like raw resources or um more sophisticated combinations of materials like technology or buildings or tools. That's why, like you if you know a person who has a an auto garage or owns buildings or is really good at technology and like has a lot of technology, they're very valuable in their own way. Then we have social capital. So the currency for this is influence and connections. This is you going out meeting people and creating relationships. Um, The currency for this is like favors influence decisions and communicating efficiently And so if we can look at this as capital, debt can be people owing you favors or you have decision-making influence to another person or group. If we were to kind of take the floweriness out of this and to make it more just black and white, that's how that is capital. And then the last one is spiritual. So as one person practices a religion, spirituality, or other means of connection to something greater than themselves, to, to God, to their connection to the universe, that's how that one person creates their own spiritual capital. It's a deeper, more personal, less quantifiable form of capital, but also very important in in being a human. And so if you can design your dream around acquiring more of these different forms of capital and packaging them all up so that this one thing that you want to do, this change that you want to make happen, either for yourself or for the world, it can check all those boxes. And that's a really good recipe for a long-lasting ideal that you can commit to. And once you have your dream... That's when the superpower of versatility is transformed from indifference. That pressure to find your dream, to um, make sure it'll fly for years to come by checking a lot of those boxes other than money and status, that gives you the courage you need and that real will to go out and experience more and have no fear around being different and putting your reputation on the line because you actually believe in it and you know that all of those experiences and relationships and the money and the knowledge and eating well and finding out where you come from and having a good spiritual connection to whatever it is, that that will all be achieved and you're not going to be pigeonholing yourself. And as you go out and you experience more to help you achieve this dream, you pick up on different skills. And so for any of you who have followed your passion at one time or another, you know that that drive gives you this crazy ability to pick up almost anything. Your raw passion that stems from a solid, healthy place can have you expanding your abilities to get that goal done at a lightning speed and by collecting more experiential societal material capital that you can also bring together people who align with your dream so that it's a win-win for everyone you become driven by the feeling that you're doing something that you really love and you aren't hindered by the task at hand so you have this ability to tune into any superpower you need and then make use of it or attract people to you who can help fill those gaps it's a very powerful and fulfilling gift that personally has been one of the most transformative bits of shadow work I've done in my life. And I think this superpower of versatility and this bringing together of people and to be more resourceful and self-sufficient is something that is being brought to our forefront at this moment as we're disenchanted by the current systems that are at play at this moment. So that is versatility with the shadow of indifference. On the next Shadow Work Library submission, we're gonna discuss the shadow of hunger and the superpower of adventure. Hunger, this shows up in your life like being chronically bored or manically keeping yourself too busy to be bored. I think this will be a good one for any of you who struggle with cycles of addiction because that can be a response to all kinds of things and it just may be somewhere deeper in you if your life is going pretty well it may stem from the shadow of hunger, which has a different strategy for getting out of those types of addictions. And as always, if you have any questions about what I talked about today, you can email me at jessica@thespecialforcesexperience.com at or hit me up on Instagram at jessicadepotsy underscore. Have a great week, everybody. Stay safe, but not too safe. And we will talk again soon.